Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1061, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Markets. All right, everybody, you are listening to Bloomberg Markets. Carol Master along with Corey Johnson. Coming up, uh, some public university investment funds. Uh, Corey, doing fairly well. These are supposed to be the smartest investors on the street, so it's really interesting to see what they're doing and how they're coming up with these great results. We're going to get all the details in just a moment with our own Janet Lauren of Bloomberg News. Let's get back, though, to your top business stories. Oracle earnings, of course, after the closing bell. Here is, once again, Charlie Bell. And I thank you very much, Carol Nasser. Indeed, Oracle shares are up by about 2% after hours right now, and this update is brought to you by National Realty. Managers of New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, and Florida cash flow real estate offering safe, high-yield cash flow property units. See them at nria.net. As we've been reporting, Oracle did report adjusted earnings per share for the first quarter that beat the average analyst estimate. First quarter EPS, 62 cents. The estimate there, 60 cents. First quarter adjusted revenue, 9.21 billion. The estimate there, 9.03 billion. First quarter adjusted operating margin, 41 percent. Anurag Rana is a senior software analyst with Bloomberg Intelligence. He spoke about the quarter moments ago right here on Bloomberg Radio. Well, if you see their uh, older cloud products, which is the software as a service and platform as a service products, they've been gaining scale, which means, you know, it's been around for a while now. The investments are maturing, and which is what is driving a lot of the margin improvement. Now, infrastructure as a service, those margins will take time to go up. But, you know, overall, uh, you know, you know, very healthy margins for the company. And again, Oracle up by about 1.9% after hours. Another record for the Dow Jones Industrial Average. The Dow pushing higher by 45 points to 22,203. Up two-tenths of one percent, but a pullback, little changed on the S&P, down about one-tenth of one percent, down two points to 24.95, NASDAQ down 31, down five-tenths of one percent. Gold up 4.50 the ounce, up three-tenths of one percent. Crude oil spent a lot of the day above $50 a barrel, uh, now back below 50 at 49.72, talking about West Texas Intermediate up nine-tenths of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. Well, double-digit investment gains among public university investment funds, they may be among the best in terms of performance. Let's find out who and what they're doing in terms of strategy. Janet Lauren is higher education reporter at Bloomberg News, tracks uh, those uh, university uh, endowment and investment funds. She joins us in our Bloomberg 1130 studio. So tell us who we're talking about, Janet. So this is the high high season of getting these endowment uh, numbers, uh, investment returns from the year ended in June. And it's a very, very different uh, landscape than we saw last year when most endowments uh, had investment losses of about 2%. Public or private? Everyone. Yeah. Uh, and this year we're seeing you know anywhere from about 11 to 15.6%. Um, the leader so far seems to be Tulane University. And they had a 15.6 return, uh, percent return. And, uh, they, they thank the, their performance in global equities. Wow. Those are some wow numbers. Yeah, they are wow numbers, especially compared to last year. And if you look at, say, uh, the University of Colorado, they also had a 15% uh, return where they're saying, you know, half of their, um, fund was in public equity markets. So that seems to be the boost. Yeah. 
Isn't that funny? Because we really have seen, I mean, you often come on and you talk and you bring on uh, folks at various uh, university investment funds and they talk about kind of their diversification, alternative assets, right? That has become a big thing over the last 10 years or so. Absolutely. You look at Yale's endowment and more than half of it is in alternative assets, hedge mm-hmm. funds and private equity. So it'll be interesting. Timber. Timber, yes. We talked about timber as a real asset. Um largely uncorrelated to the rest of the market. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how uh, those endowments that have um, large allocations and alternatives do. You know, they may not be posting these numbers of, you know, 15.6% or, you know, 15% half in, in equities. That's interesting. So so not necessarily replicable, but it does sound, you know, uh, let's take Tulane, global equities. What does that mean for them? And And does that mean, you know, less money invested in U.S. markets, for example? Um, well, they, they have, um, you know, it's both. And um, if you look at other funds like the University of Colorado, you know, they're saying public equity markets. But, again, 43% was in private equity, real assets, and hedge funds. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll get more detail as the reporting season goes on. But if you look at how the stock market did, it was pretty good in the fiscal year. Um, last year, we we saw uh you know as we talked about a negative 2% return and diversification was not you know a great strategy in that year uh, one thing endowment managers like to talk about is they hate this rate this horse race of the one year but you know in, in good years they're thrilled right. to talk about it um uh, but if you look at the 5 year and the 10 year it, it does tell a different story the 10 year you know is still at about 5% and if you're looking to retain your wealth of your billions of dollars you you want to be earning more than 5% because if you're spending, say, between 4 and 5% and accounting for 2% of inflation, you know, you're not in such a great position at a 5% return over 10 years. It's a reminder of the investment environment, though, right, if you take a look at that longer-term perspective because for a while I feel like everybody got spoiled, you know, of getting 8 9 maybe 10% on a pretty regular basis. And when you look at these university funds, you realize, well, that's, you know, it's a reminder. That's Absolutely. not been the case. Absolutely. And, you know, you talk to some um, chief investment officers and they say, I don't know where <laughs> You can get these returns next year. Uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the stock market. And, uh, you know, especially these public universities, they've got have to make their budgets. And, you know, they're getting less funding from the state. And these returns, especially this year, are really important to them. I'm just wondering, too, you know, I'm looking at the S&P 500 now up about 11.5% this year. Uh, NASDAQ's up almost 20%. We know that a lot of the tech names have really had quite a run. Is, you know, kind of the stock market being back in favor, quote, unquote, um, drawing more investment managers at universities to kind of look more closely again at the stock market and not so many uh, alternative investments. And I know these guys are long-term investors, but still. It's an interesting question because, you know, are they putting, are they using ETFs, for example, mm-hmm. in long stock funds instead of paying for active management? Um, it'll be interesting to see because they're still very aware of, of the fees they're paying and, uh, you know, what makes the most sense for them, um, especially, again, at these long-term returns when they, they really are, are looking to get that negative um, 25% out of their 10-year return, which will come in, I think it's two years, mm-hmm. um, which will certainly help things. If you look at the 5%, uh, the five-year return, um, we had a story yesterday that Grinnell College had a 10-year 5% return, um, and you knocked out that year of fiscal 12. That was a slightly negative year, and that certainly makes the, the picture a little rosier, but, right. you know, 10 years still not so great. No. And you talk about long-term for returns for a good reason, but I, you know, a lot of these, uh, uh, or at least a handful of these big endowments have made some big decisions about changes that they want to make in, in the way they approach investing. 
world. Do we see any changes that worked, funds that were just that decided to you know, change managers or change strategies? Well, we did talk about some schools um, decreasing their allocation to hedge funds, um, and we'll, you know, we'll be watching those returns with great interest to see if they had an, an impact. But really, you may not see that that difference for three to five years. And we'll be definitely checking back with you. Janet Lauren, thank you so much. Appreciate the update. Our thank higher you. education reporter at Bloomberg News uh, joining us in our Bloomberg 1130 studio. Check her out on Twitter at Janet Lauren and check out all things uh, when it comes to university endowments at Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Radio. This is Nathan Hager right now. He's got world and national news headlines from our 991 studios in Washington, D.C. Well, after uh, touring the response to Hurricane Irma in Florida, Corey, President Trump is back in Washington. It was his third time in the last month to visit a region hit hard by major Atlantic storms, and the president says he's not stopping there. I'll be going to the Virgin Islands uh, this next week, as you know, as United Nations, and I'm going to be going to the Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico sometime uh, the end of next week or the following week. Speaking with reporters aboard Air Force One, the president said the storms haven't changed his mind about climate change. He also says many Republicans like the deal he's making with Democrats to protect young immigrants who were brought here illegally as children from being deported. A grudge match may be building over this year's must-pass defense policy bill, and it's not just over spending beyond budget caps. The White House is throwing the flag, you might say, on a provision that would let service academy graduates sign with pro sports teams while fulfilling their military commitment in the reserves. Bloomberg government's Roxana Tyrone says Defense Secretary Jim Mattis issued an order against that back in May. In Mattis's view, they got an education on, on taxpayers' funds. They have a duty to uh, serve their country, not go into the really highly paid uh, pro sports uh, immediately. And Tyrone says uh, Senate Armed Services Chairman and Naval Academy graduate John McCain is pushing to keep that provision in place. Now, the House version of the defense bill would also require service academy athletes to carry out their full military duty before they're allowed to go pro. You can learn more at bgov.com. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries.